Welcome to the OFR Farm Report, your look at the Atlanta Braves minor league system brought to you by OutfieldFlyRule.com, hosted by Andy Harris and Matt Kritzberg. Hey everybody, welcome to the OFR Farm Report podcast, where we discuss the remnants of the Braves minor league system. With me as always, my co-host, Matt Kritzberg. Hey Matt, it's been a while. How you been? Oh, Hi. Yeah, it has been a while. Uh, I believe I believe this is our first episode of the new year. <laughs> yes, uh, it, it, hard to keep track sometimes, but uh, yeah, there's not a lot going on, but there are some potentially interesting things going on in Braves country. Yeah, and we're um, about two weeks away from spring training, so it seemed like a good idea to go ahead and check in with y'all. There was some developments today uh, regarding some minor league signings. And I kind of want to wrap this in with kind of the general discussion of left field for the Atlanta Braves um, and the various candidates we have for playing time there. Uh, Matt, everybody knows uh, if everything goes well, Eddie Rosario will come into camp. His eyesight will be great and he will be Eddie Rosario again. And we won't need to worry about this very much, right? I would think the odds are better for that than the alternative. I mean, he can't possibly be as bad as he was last season. I'm sure that's in a perfect world. That's what they'd like. And being left-handed, he would get most of the playing time. But you got to protect yourself just in case and build up some depth. And it seems like that's what they're doing. They're just collecting a lot of bodies to see what they can mix and match and make it work out there. But it seems like most of the bodies they're acquiring are uh, hitters that will hit from the right side of the plate. Right, and the obvious conclusion to draw there is they're intending on going with a platoon, at least initially there, assuming uh, Rosario, you know, always has never been great against lefties, but, you know, um, you know, last year, let's just face it, was kind of a lost season. And the year before that, which he spent mostly with Cleveland, he had a lot of problems with uh, hitting uh, lefty pitchers, so... Uh, so, yeah, they bring in, brought in a bunch of uh, right-handed hitters, and we just kind of want to talk about the possibilities here because there's a lot of them. Prob- and it, I have them written here on kind of my feeling on um, the likelihood that they'll actually break camp. And keep in mind, in addition to a platoon, I guess one of these guys could fill like the – the uh, Guillermo Heredia role of like pinch runner defensive guy as well. So I guess technically there may be two spots for these, all these guys. Yeah. And and you're going to have somebody that's going to have to back up center field. Um, If for some reason, Michael Harris should go down. I I still imagine, even though Ronald Acuna's knee looks better than it has in quite some time that they're still going to be very hesitant to put him out center field. Right. Yeah. And, and and who knows, they may want to rest him occasionally in right field as well, just to err on the safe side. We need a healthy Ronald Acuna to go all season long and, uh, you know, slipping him into DH maybe once every two weeks or so may be part of the plan as well. So let, let's start. Um, the guy I have is probably the most likely is uh, was with Arizona last year. His best season with Cleveland a couple years ago, and that's Jordan Luplau. Um Matt, he's got some pop. He's shown some pop, but he had a really poor season last year. Um, how do you feel about Luplau? I think he's probably the leader at this point, um, although there are some – we'll go over the possibilities here in a minute. 
one blow, he, I, I think he's the leader at this point, but there are going to be some other possibilities we'll talk about later. But he, he can, uh, he's a solid candidate. I mean, he's done well in the past, although, uh, he did not do well in Arizona last season, but they signed him for one. I mean, he's, they got him on a settled in arbitration for 1.4. No, I'm sorry, he signed for a 1.4 million dollar deal. So I mean, he's barely making twice the league minimum, and he can play all three outfield spots. So he can also fill that backup center field role that we were just talking about. So I, th- I think he's a solid possibility. I think he's pretty much a shoe in to make the roster. It's just a matter of what in what capacity will that be. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's got an option too, right? I believe he does. Yes. All right, so the second guy I have on here, and this is it was just funny because there's guys that are on the 40-man roster, and this is a guy that's not on the 40-man roster, but his contract is interesting enough that I think he's actually maybe right behind Luplaw as, as far as uh, likelihood, and that's Kevin Pillar. He was – it was been, I guess, uh, reporters had broken that he's going to sign with the Braves a while back, and I think – he tweeted it or or his agent tweeted or something, but it, I think it just became official like a couple days ago. But uh, he's on a minor league contract, but I believe it's going to pay him $5 million if he makes the club. Uh, I think it's $3 million, but that's still substantially, okay. but still substantially more than the, the regular guard variety Alex Anthopoulos deal where he invites a lot of guys to camp like in the past, the, the, the Josh Tomlin types. Uh, if you get... If you, Come in on a, a minor league invite, and if you get the, M- the MLB contract, you get a million dollars. That's—I mean—he's yeah. done that so many times over the years, but it's been very rare to see him one. And in fact, I think it's the first time I've ever seen him do one that was for three million dollars. So that speaks to the possibility that he, he I mean, if he's healthy, he's going to make the roster. But uh, we'll just have to see how that goes. I mean, he got, he got a very brief time with the uh, Dodgers last season, didn't do particularly well, but I mean, he's only a handful of games, small sample size, but he did well at uh, AAA for them last year. So, I mean, he just turned 34 years old. So I think if he's healthy, he's going to have a real good shot of making the roster. Yeah, and I'm sure this will enter into it, but one of the reasons maybe he's on the club, of course, um, originally a Toronto Blue Jays draft pick back in 2011, uh, Guess who the GM was for the Toronto hmm. Blue Jays in 2011, <laughs> and who was who was the GM that called him up in 2013? So, um, so uh, Alex Anthopoulos and Pilar go back a ways. Uh, so, this may be just simply something where um, you know Anthopoulos is throwing him a bone, but I don't think it is. I think it's they're actually going to give him a, a hard look. Um, we know defensively he's strong, and I'm wondering if. If he doesn't get a piece of that left field deal, I, I wonder if he's going to be that that backup uh, center fielder you were talking about. Yeah, and, and just just his defensive skills out there, based off of what we saw out there last season uh, between Rosario and Ozuna, I mean, they weren't trotting out much defensively out there last season. Pilar's defense alone could probably get him a pretty solid spot on this roster if he can uh, handle it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, on my list here, Marcelo Ozuna's not listed on here. No. I, I cannot imagine them putting him in left field in a game that matters. Um, There's there so many bodies that, that I don't know what, what scenario that he would be playing out there. There's not even that many scenarios where he would be DH. I mean, you've got between uh, um, Darno and Murphy. Um, they've got some other options as well. But, I mean, where are the at-bats for Ozuna going to be if he's still around? Yeah, I Yeah, so he's not on my list for possible left fielders. Um, uh, quite frankly, I think it's only 50-50 if he's even on the roster uh, yeah. by the end of spring training. 
All right. After Pilar, I've got Sam Hilliard. Uh, he's a guy that we traded for. Actually, I think this was the first trade of the offseason by any team. It was uh, the Braves trading uh, pitcher Dylan Spain to the Rockies for uh, Sam Hilliard. Um, he is a guy who can play all three outfield positions. I don't think he's he's not at Pilar's level by any stretch as far as defensibility, but he, he holds his own out there. Uh, he's a guy that is they expected to have raw power, but he's not really brought it into games as much as kind of thought. So it feels a little bit like a project, but he's also out of options and on the 40-man roster. Yeah, I, th I think the likelihood is very low and just lets he absolutely just balls out during spring training. But I guess the the thought is get let Kevin Seitzers get a hold of him, see what, if he can do anything with him. I mean, if he uh, has a 900 OPS and he's striking out 25% of the time rather than 30% plus of the time, that there might be a possible role for him on the team. I mean, it's, he's got tantalizing skills, but he's just never been able to put them to good use. All right, kind of on that same line, uh, Eli White is the guy I have next. He's... How did we get him? We just we just uh, claimed him, right? Yeah, I, well, I, I think uh, I think it's one of those deals is uh, they got him from uh, Texas for cash. I okay. Think. Yeah, and I, I think they they DFA'd him, and then we we get in there and made the trade for him. Um, he's a guy who can play center field and play it pretty well, and uh, he's shown flashes. And of course, he he was a, a big time prospect um, at one point, uh, but uh, hasn't really translated it to the majors. I kind of have him and Hilliard like neck and neck. Yeah, Eli White, I believe he has a couple of options left, as a matter of fact. I mean, he's got mm -hmm. a tremendous defense, tremendous speed, and just has never been able to hit a lick. Um, I mean, he's – and I, I think most more than likely he'll be in the starting outfield at Gwinnett to start the season. But, I mean, he's, he's a good guy to have around, uh, even at that level, that you can bring him up and – not be embarrassed to have him in the outfield for a couple of weeks if needed. Yeah, he he definitely he does have two options left. I mean, he's 28 years old, so he's got a little bit of time left to develop. I mean, his uh, I mean, he, I mean, even last season, he only had a 67 WRC plus in 47 games, but he had a 0.9 F4 due to his defense and his base running. So, I mean, look at what they tried out there in left field last season. If he could put up a 0.9 F4, that's going to be substantially better than whatever the Braves trotted out last season. Yeah. Well, it's it's good that the Braves are really good everywhere else, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. And then the, the last two guys I have listed here, literally we just found out about these guys today. They were a part of a slew of minor league free agent signings the team made. Uh, the first one I have is left-handed hitter Forrest Wall. I never heard of this guy before today, and I know you've uh, done a little research on him. So what did you find out about Forrest Wall? Well, for one thing, he was a Rockies first-round pick in 2014. Um, he's 27 years old, uh, second-base outfielder. He's never played a minute of major leagues, played an inning. Um but he's got some interesting tools. He's been at AAA for the last three seasons for a couple of different organizations. But I was looking over the last two seasons. He played a total of 198 games. He doesn't hit much. I mean, he only had an 80 WRC plus in the Pacific Coast League, which I mean, that's not uh, a, a great uh, WRC plus for an offensive-minded league, but uh, it is what it is. But the one tantalizing number here is he tried to steal 103 bases over those 198 games, and he stole – 87 times successfully. That's a very tremendous percentage. I mean, that's probably somewhere around 80% steal rate. I mean, that's very interesting to me. 
Yeah, yeah. It that seems like some. I mean, so he could come up and maybe be better than Guillermo Heredia was last year, right? I mean, it, we had Heredia for defense and base running, and he wasn't actually good at either of those things. And I suspect Wall could probably be better at both of those things than Heredia was. Yeah, I would think so. I don't believe he has any options left, especially being in AAA for the – well, let me see. Mm-hmm. Hang, on, hang on a second. And he does have experience playing all three outfield positions. Um, I, I don't know what his defensive reputation is, um, but he's gotten – but he's played center field more than anywhere else. Interestingly, he was drafted as a second baseman, but he hasn't played there since his – Oh yeah, uh, twenty sixteen. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he can play all over the. They've got several guys like this. I mean, you got Eli White, you got Forrest Waller, and uh, Magnus Sierra, who basically all perform the same function: defense, speed, mostly can't hit. I mean, if they can get something out of the bat of one of those three players, I think they're calling it a win. Yeah, Magnaria Serra was the last guy I had written down here. Um, most interesting thing about him, um, according to Baseball Reference, his nickname is Miyagi, which is kind of awesome. What a, <laughs> a great nickname. Uh, so uh, Miyagi, he um, he actually got quite a bit of play back in 2021 for Miami as uh, their outfield was just ravaged by injuries and the uh, and Adam Duvall getting traded to the Braves. Um so he actually got a lot of reps out there. Did not hit at all, but he is a really good outfielder and uh, an excellent base runner. Yeah, I mean, I mean, between all these guys we're talking about, I mean, somebody's got to be that backup outfielder that fills that, like you said, the Redia function from last year, and they could do it for, I'm sure, the league minimum. So they'll even save a little bit of money doing that since Redia was making a million dollars to do the same thing last year. And I think, believe he only got like 80-something plate appearances over the entire season. So – you're not employing that person to hit. You're employing that person to provide some speed and defense for you. Yeah, and and especially when I'm thinking like Pilar, I imagine it's, it's one of those deals where they have him on a minor league deal, but at some point they have to either either roster him or cut him loose. Yeah, um, and I imagine there are probably several teams interested if they've offered him that $3 million if he makes the team deal. So he mm-hmm. probably had some competition out there, but nobody was willing to give up the 40-man spot this late in uh, the offseason. Yeah. Gwinnett will need four outfielders too, right? So uh, as far as I know, the only the only incumbent outfielder they have, I think, is Grayson Genesta on the roster right now. So, yeah, so some, some of these guys will end up in Gwinnett. Um, but, you know, unless, unless they add somebody else or make a – Spring training trade or something like that. Um, I'd say two of the two of the guys on this list will end up making the club. Hopefully, they can find some playing time in Gwinnett amid all the uh, the, the big time prospects they have playing down there. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that's a good segue. So, um, since the last time we talked, Baseball America and MLB Pipeline and Keith Law, they all have come out with their top 100 prospect list for 2023. And all of them are unanimous in not putting a single Brave on the list. For at least for um, Baseball America, I know that's the first time since they've been doing this list, I think since what, 1989 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that uh, no Brave has appeared on the list. 
and I'm not surprised at all, honestly. No, I'm not either. I mean, when they brought out those different lists, there's a couple of them I didn't even bother looking at because I knew there weren't going to be any Braves on it. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just a matter of the timing. I mean, uh, now, had things gone differently somewhat last season, let's say Adam Duvall has a great season in center field for the Braves last year, Michael Harris either never gets called up or gets called up late in the season, he could very well still be on that list. Uh, mm-hmm. If Ozzy Albies doesn't get hurt and they go through uh, – um, an army of mediocre second baseman, Vaughn Grissom may very likely not come up, and he could very well be on the list. So, I mean, it's just a matter of circumstance. I mean, it, but I mean, it all worked out in that the top 100 prospects they did have were called up and are performing successfully at MLB. So, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, and and we also know that the likelihood is that the Braves have somebody in their system now that will someday be on that top 100 list. I, I'm not going to claim to know who it is, but it's it's probably going to be a pitcher, and it's probably going to be someone that uh, is very, very young, right? Yeah, I mean, so, it's all cyclical. I mean, it may not even be midseason, but, I mean, there, there's pretty good possibility after by the end, next offseason that there will be somebody on the top 100 list. I mean, there's too many pitcher with really – tremendous potential down at the lower minors that I think one of them, at least one of them is going to break out and they'll find their way onto that top 100 list. Right. I mean, it, to put it in perspective, I don't think Max Freed was ever on a top 100 list. I think maybe Soroka was maybe just before on a few of them, just before he was called up, you know, so it goes to you, you know, 100 isn't a very big number. You know, <laughs> there's there's a lot of great prospects that come up and a lot of great major leaguers that were never on the top 100 list. Yeah, I mean, that only averages out to three per team. So, I mean, some it, like I said, it's cyclical. There's been times in the not-too-distant past where the Braves had seven in the top 100. And Yeah, it's funny. I, I saw um, Jonathan Mayo was a- answering fan questions, and Somebody asked him that I think uh, the Orioles have eight on the MLB pipeline list, and somebody asked him if they've ever seen a, a class like that on a list, and he said, "Well, the most recent was was about the 2017 Braves, right? It was <laughs> yeah. they they had eight, right? So um, at that time, so it's not been that long, and we've seen the fruit of that. It's been a you know a national championship and a, and a, a uh, roster full of young talent that's thanks to uh, Alex Anthopoulos and some uh, some uh, agents that are willing to uh, give their guys security rather than the biggest paycheck um, they're all going to be here for a while so and we'll see how the Orioles handle their situation here over the next couple of years it's it's going to be fascinating uh, to see see how different that's going to be if it is yeah all right, so um, we talked about uh, a few of the guys that the Braves have just recently signed. Um, here's some here's some other guys. The first guy on the list is someone that's, uh, that uh, Braves fans are going to be very familiar with. Uh, Adene Hechevarria uh, is back on a minor league deal, and um, I think most people remember him from 2019. Uh, Danzy Swanson got hurt. Uh, Johan Camargo and Charlie Culberson were not adequate defensively at shortstop to fill in. And uh, they uh, picked up Hechevarria, I think, off waivers uh, from the Mets. And uh, he did very well for them down the stretch that uh, solidified that that uh, group defensively, had a couple big hits, and infamously in a postgame interview, 
thanked God for removing him from the Mets and putting him on the Braves. Yeah, uh, they made him a folk hero in Braves history. Now, uh, interesting, he's spent the last two years in Japan. Um, it's kind of marking time, but he's found his way back to the States now. And uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting role. I mean, let's say, for example, either uh, Grissom or Arcia at this point, one of them doesn't work out at shortstop. Let's say somebody gets hurt, somebody's going to have to be the next man up. And you got uh, players like Echeverria and um, Adrianza still around. So, um, likely one of them would step up and possibly fill that utility infielder spot. So, yeah, just collecting depth. Yep. And then uh, also we've got um, also getting a uh, big league invite, left-handed pitcher Brian Moran, um, who I found out was the um, was the uh, is the brother of former Pirates and uh, Astros third baseman Colin Moran. It took me a minute to register that, or, or when I saw the list earlier, I was like, Moran, like, didn't he play for the Pirates? And now it's like, oh, wait a minute, did that convert him to a pitcher? And it took me a minute. It's like, oh, no, it's a completely different Moran. But related. Yes. All right. And then some uh, some true minor league uh, free agent signings. Uh, right-handed pitchers, Daniel Martinez, Nolan Martinez, Zach Mort, uh, John Olzak. And left-handed pitcher Domingo Robles, uh, also all joining the organization. Don't know anything about these guys, but uh, uh, I, I did. Most of them, there's really not much to say. The one the interesting one to me was uh, Domingo Robles. He spent the three last three years in for the uh, in playing the St. Louis Cardinals organization at Double A, and he started quite a few games over the last three seasons. So I'm sure he, I'm, I'm guessing he's probably going to become a, a back end starter for Mississippi. Yeah, and Mississippi's rotation right now, I'm not sure what it's going to be, but it it was looking kind of thin, right? Um, then, of course, the other big news was this: we uh, had the uh, this year's minor uh, international signing period start uh, right around the beginning of the month. Uh, so um, the Braves made what looks to be like a, a really interesting uh, signing for two to, for two point five million dollars, which is uh, which was almost half of their entire bonus allotment. They signed an outfielder, Luis Guanipa. And um, I've seen a lot of love being put on this uh, signing. Uh, of course, I haven't seen him at all, but uh, there was a uh, Dave O'Brien did a pretty nice uh, write-up for Athletic, and also uh, AJC had a, had a piece on these guys, and the Braves really kind of were out front talking about his signing which is a little bit different than the than the Braves have been, you know, the last couple of years. Yeah, I know they kind of got back into the game a couple of years ago for international, but then we had half a pool back then, and then they had their first full pool last season. But I mean, I think a lot of the, it takes time to build these relationships back up again. Where basically they were just completely shut out from there for several years, and it's just taking time to build back up again. But I think this is the first real class that you're starting to see some really solid signings and depth of signings too, not just basically one player. Yeah. And, uh, there was also other, also talked about in these articles, uh, two more outfielders, Carlos Monteverde and Jean Estevez, uh, both got, um, you know, six figure bonuses. So, uh, all of them are described as bat first guys, although Guanipa is also, uh, also described as a, a strong defender and will probably play center field. Uh, for the DSL Braves, probably Esteban Less, left field and Monteverde and right field. 
and uh, you could, I don't know, through through those through those articles, you could get kind of sense the excitement. It was kind of palpable from uh, the Braves officials that they were talking to. Yeah, um, between those three players, their uh, bonuses added up to um, just over three and a half million dollars, and their uh, bonus pool was five, just short of five point three million dollars. So two thirds of their bonus pool money this year went to creating their DSL starting outfield. So you can tell what they were concentrating their uh, actions during this uh, international signing cycle. Yeah, and you know, typically this is a winning formula, right? You draft your pitching, and then you you sign your sign hitters, right? Um, I think it's worked out in the past for them, and then we've had we have the huge scandal. Uh, but it seems like that's a formula maybe they're uh, trying to repeat. And that's not to say they didn't sign a bunch of pitchers too, because they did, and uh, some of them got pretty decent bonuses. But uh, the the cream of the class seems to be the, those three outfielders. Yeah, there's several other players that got pretty substantial bonuses. Uh, shortstop Mario Baez got two hundred forty thousand. Uh, another shortstop Carlos. Uh, Cordero, he got two hundred thousand, and another shortstop, John Gill, got one hundred ten thousand. So another half million went to those folks. Uh, the twenty-one players that they signed on the first day, they all came from either Venezuela or the Dominican Republic, with the exception of a uh, Hoyans Hernandez. He's a catcher that from Cuba who got a forty thousand dollar bonus. And I imagine uh, Ronald Acuna had a little bit to do with uh, all the uh, signings they made in Venezuela. Definitely, and that was a point that was made in both articles as well, that uh, Acuna has uh, raised the Braves' profile tremendously in Venezuela. Yeah, and uh, I imagine that way that way for years to come, and I think it had a lot to do, too, with uh, how much they let Acuna play this year, because I think originally they weren't letting on planning on letting him play at all in winter ball, and then it turned into five games, which turned into ten games, and then... Um, for this uh, series recently, they, I don't think they were planning to let him play there at all, but this, um, they decided to let him play at the last minute. Of course, obviously, they had a, a terrible incident where um, his family and others in the crowd were getting in scuffles and fighting, and Cunha uh, left the league for the offseason. So I uh, hate that they ended on a, a negative note, but uh, I think overall it was still a positive impact on the Braves and their signings. Yeah, I, be- I believe he actually, quote, retired from the Venezuelan Winter League, end quote, uh, before the game was even over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But hit a very memorable home run in that game, which is why the crowd was upset. Yes, uh, they were. International signing, that's that's good. At least Guanipa will feature prominently in our upcoming uh, top prospect list. I know we've been talking about it for a while. It is coming. It's just been slower than we thought it would be. So... um, so it'll it'll be around. It'll be out before spring training starts. So promise. Uh, and the last little bit of news we have here, Dana Brown, who has been the um, what is it, vice president of scouting uh, for the Braves uh, for the, since uh, since the 2019 draft, um, is unfortunately now the general manager for the Houston Astros. I say unfortunately. Uh, it's a great hire for the Astros, and it's certainly deserving. And congratulations to Dana Brown. Uh, but we're focused on the Braves here, so um, from a Braves focus, this sucks. Yes, <laughs> but and this is a very, very desirable job right now. I mean, uh, Braves are a, a very uh, successful organization, especially on their farm, and I'm sure there's going to be no shortage of candidates. Um, going for that position. I, they, I believe they said they're not going to fill until after the next draft, that they're basically pretty late in their uh, 
cycle their cycle before the next draft, and they're just holding mm-hmm. hold off for a bit longer. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Bob Nightingale piece. Did you see who else uh, interviewed for the within the Braves organization for the Astros GM job? I don't believe I did. Jonathan Scherholtz, uh, special assistant uh-huh. and scouting uh, operations, uh, also interviewed for the Astros GM job, and they said he's an up-and-comer uh, in baseball, and I wonder if he might be who they elevate to uh, take over Dana Brown's spot. Yeah, that's interesting because um – you know he's been in the organization for a while, um, and uh, he had a hand. He had a hand in the farm system. You know, even back in the, you know, during the rebuild times. Uh, and at one point, he was a lot more prominent. And then uh, Anthopolis, he's kind of take taken a little bit more of a, a less front and center role. But he's uh, obviously still doing the work and uh, is part of this whole whole evaluation system and development system. Yeah, I wonder if he might be someone that they hire within to just take that role full time. You know, I imagine there's a number of internal candidates that might take this role. Yeah, and there could be some external ones as well because, you know, Alex Anthopoulos likes to, uh, he's got a lot of connections throughout baseball. In fact, Dana Brown, he and uh, Anthopoulos go went all the way back to their days with the Montreal Expos. And, I mean, right. they intertwined with each other for many, many years. So I don't know if he has another candidate like that in mind or if he wants to – I mean, he's probably – he's got several years now to learn to get to know Jonathan Scherholz. I wonder maybe if uh, – I mean, that they were – Bob Nightingale was talking him up pretty well and several uh, executives from around the league in that piece. So I'm kind of wondering if he might be the pick or if, if he is destined for bigger and better things in another organization. Yeah. I, I just think back to that 2019 draft and what a, I mean, that that's almost like a, a franchise saving draft coming off <laughs> of the, coming off of, uh, quite frankly, some, some very mediocre drafts, 2017. I mean, Kyle Wright was the first round pick and he's finally panned out. It looks like, but, uh, overall that, that has not looked like a, a great draft. The 2018 draft was you know, it's pretty much turned out to be a disaster. Um, there's only six people left from that draft still in the organization. Only player drafted in 2018 by the Braves that even make the major leagues was William Woods, who has like 1.2 innings <laughs> under his belt and is now in the Mets organization, right? So um, now, obviously, Victor Vodnik is from that draft. He's still a prospect. Uh, you know, he, I think he's got a pretty decent chance of making the majors. Uh, Brooks Wilson, part of that draft, I think he'll make the majors well. And then you got, you know, some of the like Grayson Genestos, you know, Grayson Genesta, you know. Eh, anyway, 2018. The, yeah, bad. The, the star power is somewhat lacking, especially coming off the, uh, the, the international signings ban that they couldn't afford to have any drafts turn out like that and they did but somehow managed to overcome them but i mean they had a pretty good number of players already in the organization and they had a fortune of some really really good drafts after that particularly 2020 yeah well 2020 was the short draft but 2019 i mean 20 players are still in the organization from 2019 and seven other ones are out of the organization but they were spent in trades shay langelier Casey Kalich, Ricky DeVito, Joey Estes, Bryce Ball, 
Indigo Diaz, Justin Yeager, all of them prospects of some form or fashion all got us major league talent, right? So And some directly tied to players who got us a World Series title. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and then on top of that, Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom, who will likely be starters or at least major contributors uh, for this year's team. And then you like you like you mentioned the shortened draft in twenty twenty, we've already gotten uh Bryce Elder and uh, and, uh, and uh, Spencer ben, Strider, Spencer guy. <laughs> yeah, Spencer Strider and, and Bryce Elder also all both made the majors. You know, Strider is already you know making pitching ninjas top ten pitchers. <laughs> yeah, in in baseball right now. I mean, I, that's which and is, that was the uh, that was Jared Schuster draft too, right? Yes, you know, who hasn't made the uh, majors yet, but will. Right? Yeah, and, and possibly this season. <laughs> yes. And uh, and then, uh, obviously, it's way too early to, to tell for last year, but that's but it's looking good. So that's three – oh, I forgot to 21 draft, um, you know, which is, again, too, too early to tell. Uh, but already, you know, Kusek was uh, drafted. He uh, was a part of the Olsen trade. So, you know, I think the the impact that Dana Brown here changing the 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 uh, fortunes of our draft can't be overstated. Uh, he's he's probably going to have a tremendous impact on the Atlanta Braves uh, into this decade. Um, and he was only here for a few years. So uh, good luck to Dana Brown. Uh, hope things turn out really well for him in Houston. And for success for a organization that's been successful that has for the last few seasons it's probably fortunate it took this long to for other teams to start poaching and i wouldn't be surprised that there was more to come over the next couple of years yeah definitely all right you got anything else big guy no i think that's a pretty good start and a little primer to get us ready for spring training here in a couple of weeks and i'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about at that point Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you then and be on the lookout uh, within the next couple weeks for our top prospect list. And uh, until then, I hope everybody has a great week. Have a good one. No. Chagrin, mes plaisirs, je n'ai plus besoin de balayer les amours avec leur trémolo, balayer pour toujours, je repars à zéro. Bien qu'on m'a fait, ni 
la mal 